0: Then will we give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. Old Testament tribes would exchange daughters in order to blend their cultures because they understood that daughters become mothers, and mothers hold the power to shape society in the cradle. Daughters are the real key to making families, cultures, and societies strong. You can conquer enemies with sons, but only daughters who become mothers can raise the sons of the next generation and advance a society. There is nothing more valuable to a nation than the culture of its daughters, to affect society either for good or for evil, simply gain control of that nation, that society's daughters, because the spirit of the next generation lives today in the character of our future mothers. It's said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. How many of you heard that before? And daughters, hear me this morning. The devil knows your value. And he knew exactly where to go in order to gain control of the human race. Eve wasn't singled out because she was inferior. But Eve was singled out because of the power of her influence as a mother to shape the future generations of mankind. Satan knows that if he can damage you, he can damage the future. For at the core of your being, God has installed what every child needs. And that is the spirit of belonging. Because when a a mother has loved you, A sense of belonging settles into the center of your being. And that's what centers us in life and prepares us for all that is to come. As I said, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And that's true. And the reason for it is because selfishness stunts growth. Here's a universal law. Selfishness stunts growth. Find a selfish person, and I'll show you a person who will never grow. Show me an endeavor that's based on selfishness. I'll show you an endeavor that will never ultimately pan out and regenerate. Selfishness does stunt growth, but sacrificial love is not only unfailing, it's expansive. Therefore, the seeds of society that will multiply for generations to come are sown by mothers' hands. I hope you moms are sitting there thinking to yourselves, oh, hallelujah, I've done great things. (coughs) You know, if evolution were actually a real thing, how come mothers still only have two hands? You know why? It's because she's designed by the father's love to give herself to one child at a time, to give her attention, to give her love to one child at a time. In order to give you a sense of worth, God designed mom to care for you before she cared for herself. No story really expresses this better than Solomon's story of the two mothers. How many of you remember Solomon's confrontation by two mothers with one baby? Two women went to sleep. Each of them, young mothers, had just given birth to their their infant children. And uh, in the middle of the night, one of the mothers rolled over and suffocated her child. And of course, in the morning, there was just nothing but anguish and pain. And that mother that had, that had rolled over on her child and suffocated, while the other mother was sleeping, she took her child, disposed of the body of her own dead child, and took that live baby for herself. So then when the real mother woke up of that live, remaining live baby, she was struck and, and, and saw her child in the arms of that woman. You know your child you know your child. She knew that child was hers. And so the dispute came up before King Solomon, who was the wisest man in the world. And the two women are there advocating for the ownership of the one baby. And so Solomon says, I know how we will solve this. Bring me a sword. You know the story. Bring me a sword. Solomon takes a sword and says, give me the baby. And he holds the baby up by an ankle and he says, let's cut this baby in half and I'll give half to each of you. And that way we'll solve that thing. And the real mother cries out and says, no, I'll just read it to you. Then the real mother, whose son was alive, said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other mother said, He shall be neither yours nor mine. Let's divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death, for she is his mother. How did he know? He saw that sacrificial love. The woman that said, I would rather go without and live with a broken heart Than to see my child's life destroyed. You know, mothering is more than a biological thing, it's a divine thing. It's a gift from God, a gift that is rarely convenient for the woman who bears it. And that's because the recipients of her sacrifice will come to depend completely and totally upon her, they will come first and she will get what's left over. And so this is a gift that is never convenient for mothers that take hold of it and live by it. We celebrate the virtues of motherhood not only among mothers who have borne children but also women who have nurtured neighbors and strangers and borne the burdens of society in order to mold nations. Do you remember the story of the great prophetess Deborah in the Old Testament? Deborah was a prophetess and a mighty woman of God in a world of men, in a world of warfare and of combatants. And the Bible says that she sat every day under the tree of Deborah. They actually named the tree that she sat under as the prophetess of God, to judge the people of Israel as they came to her every single day, lined up an endless stream of issues to be judged and to be decided upon. And she sat under that tree, and they called it the tree of Deborah. But Israel backslid, and they got themselves once again under the boot heel of an enemy nation and overrun by alien enemy nation. And so God spoke to Deborah and he said, call General Barak and tell him to come here and I have God's assignment for him. And as the story goes on, she tells Barak, you're to go against the enemy, muster the men and put together an army, God's going to go with you. And he turned to Deborah and he said, Deborah, if you don't go with me, I won't go. Deborah strapped on a sword, and she got on a horse, and she rode out to the battle with Barak and fought beside him. And the scripture says that during that time of oppression, when oppression was on the land, and enemies had overridden the land, it had driven the people up into the hills and into the forests, and they begin to empty out the towns. And so the Bible says, there were few people left in the villages of Israel until I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Hallelujah. So if you've ever heard that phrase, a mother in Israel, that's where it comes from. Whether she had natural children or not, it's beside the point because the divine gift of motherhood resided in her. And she took the sword and went out and fought for the people of Israel. She counseled the people of Israel. She brought God into the lives of the people of Israel. So this spirit of motherhood doesn't just come upon women that have had children, but those that have nurtured society. Praise the Lord. You know, when sermons on Mother's Day are preached, the story of Jochebed. You probably don't know that name, but that's Moses' mother. Her name was Jochebed. The story of Jochebed is often referred to, and if if I could just help you for a moment to recall it, Pharaoh commanded the Hebrew midwives, Puah and Sephora, to kill all the Hebrew babies instead of to help bring them forth at the point of birth. But the two midwives, the Bible says, feared God more than the king. And they refused and went back to Pharaoh and said, I'm sorry, Pharaoh, but, you know, these Hebrew women, they are, they're a hardy bunch, and they've given birth to their babies before we can get there to help them. So I'm sorry we can't kill any babies. So Pharaoh ordered every Egyptian, it's your job, to kill every Hebrew baby by throwing them into the Nile River. And so every Egyptian was looking out throughout their neighborhoods to find any Hebrew women that were giving birth, grab their babies, throw them in the Nile River. And the story goes on how that Jochebed, uh, Moses' mother, uh, Moses' mother makes a little basket and she outfits it so that it won't sink, puts her baby Moses in there and hides him for three months and then puts him in the Nile River when she can't hide him any longer. And she tells Moses' older sister, Miriam, I want you to follow the basket as Moses goes downstream. I want you to see where it goes and come back and tell me who picks him up And so she follows Moses downstream. Lo and behold, the thing floats up in front of the home of who? But the daughter of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter sees the basket, opens it up, takes the baby out, loves the baby. And Miriam steps out of the bush and says, you're going to need someone who can nurse this baby. I've got someone. Let me go get somebody that can help you out. And she runs back to the house. And she gets Jochebed, Moses' mother, and she says, Pharaoh's daughter's got your baby, but I'm going to get you into the house. And so Pharaoh's daughter and Moses' mother raised Moses in the house of Moses. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. From the courage of Sephirah and Puah, the midwives, to the saving love of Jochebed, Moses' mother, to the strategic actions of Miriam, his sister, and the compassion of Pharaoh's daughter. The life of the man who would deliver Israel from the bondage of slavery was shaped by mothers who rebelled against evil because they feared God and they risked their lives out of a mother's love. So Moses' life was shaped by all of these maternal ladies, hallelujah, preparing him for God's future for his life. The powerful combination of faith and love produces fierce courage in mothers. You could see it in women who become mothers to adopted children, who otherwise would spend their youth rejected in orphanages. You see it in mothers stand for God before unbelieving husbands in order to raise their children to know the Lord. You can see it in mothers who stand up to teenage rebellion and say no when every other mother says yes to her children. You see it in mothers who choose to postpone a lucrative career when everyone else calls them crazy just so that they can stay home and prepare their children for life. And you can see that love and faith that develops into maternal courage, fierce courage in mothers without husbands who invest their young years and postpone their own lives to prepare their children for their lives to come. When we grow up, and we grown children, when we look back, mom is often the first profile in courage who inspired us to be an upright person and to be kind. You know, mothers can come up short in just... All kinds of ways. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, you know, he's preaching about the perfect mother. But the perfect mother isn't the mother without flaws or the mother that doesn't uh, make mistakes. The perfect mother is the one who simply puts herself aside and adapts her life to that of her children. It's sometimes called instinct but I think it's more accurately understood as a gift from God. God puts that gift in there. And so moms can come up short in all kinds of ways with imperfections, a lack of education, lack of refinement. But when you look back on a mother who adapted herself to you uh, without holding it over your head concealing her exhaustion, hiding her sacrifices, you remember your first hero. Those who've been blessed by a mother's gift can say, before I knew the Lord, I knew mom. Because God makes his first appearance in our lives through a mother's sheltering love, giving us a chance to grow secure and upright and putting us in a place where we're able to receive from the Lord. This morning, we want to honor moms and we want to honor the spirit of motherhood because our nation today is in the conflict and being shredded in a battle because Satan knows. If I can get control of daughters, I can control the future. If I can mess with the culture of daughters who become mothers, I can mess with the culture of a nation. And I can take away its guiding light and guiding points. Today, we need a revival among our daughters. We need an awakening to take place and the lives of our future mothers. People often ask today, with all the crazy mayhem, insanity, ludicrous, loony ideas that are being fed into our children in schools, can we come back from the brink? Can we turn this nation around? Can we save this nation as God intended it to be? And I really believe that unless the answer involves and is based on a revival that retakes the spirit of our daughters and our future mothers and revives their culture so that they understand their calling and they are supported in that calling by the rest of us, then I don't believe the answer is good for America. But I believe it could be. I believe miracles can come from the cradle because the hand that rocks the cradle, whose heart is in the hand of God, will bring forth a blessed future. Somebody say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I want you to close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Before we come down to this table to pray over our envelopes where we have placed our our prayer requests and our needs and we lay hands on these things. I want us to take a moment and take what I have just said and what I've just shared with you and let's put it into a declaration and a prayer over our own young women, over our moms, and over our grandmothers who are becoming mothers again. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And let's pray for the culture of our daughters and our mothers across America. Heavenly Father, we come boldly before the throne of grace. Blessed are you, Lord, of whom it is said, you are a mother to the motherless. That is where the true spirit of motherhood comes from. We saw it in Jesus who is our great shepherd and like a mother taking the lambs of our lives and sacrificing himself, facing the storm before us, making a path that is safe. Father God, oh Lord, we know that all the fierce arrows of opposition and godlessness that are being shot today in our schools, institutions, in the media are aimed at our daughters, aimed at destroying them, aimed at fulfilling the very first strategy that Satan put in place. If I can get Eve, I can get the human race. If I can take Eve down, I can take down humanity. Father God, we need a resurrection. We need our daughters to receive a revival, to turn from the destruction of this hour, and to embrace their calling. We need motherhood once again to be exalted because no no society can survive. If motherhood is destroyed, the nation is destroyed. Oh, Father, we honor the mothers that have gone before us. We honor the mothers that are under the sound of my voice right now. I pray an anointing upon those mothers that have already raised a generation. We need you to help raise another generation. (coughs) We need you to help influence and encourage the young daughters who are about to become mothers. Father, we pray, send the spirit of revival to the daughters of America. Bring us back from darkness. And Lord, make motherhood great again. In Jesus' name, amen.